shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Welcome to episode 47 of the Adventures in Tech Podcast. We are back. I'm Andrew and... I'm not John. <laughs> I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. Dan is back. John is here. Art is here. We're all back at the round table and up to episode 47. And we were like, we're going to have an off the rails conversation with no notes, nothing. It's going to be a genuine conversation about education. What's going on? What's coming up? And what we're seeing in education. We know we've talked, I think the last time we spoke... It was all about AI. So we will make sure we uh, cover how far that conversation has evolved with everything that has come out since January. It's been about three months since we were all together talking about what we're seeing and and so forth. So uh, obviously, if you like the podcast, make sure you leave a five-star review where on whatever platform you're listening to. We greatly appreciate your support. All right, let's talk about it. Dan, you're back. How you feeling, Dan? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, My face back. is not numb today, so that's... No that's Pipcorn in... No Pipcorn and... Sponsored by Pipcorn. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, having John here, I just give me a chance to thank him for uh, stepping in and co-hosting for me. It was like the replacements, the movie. <laughs> Keanu Reeves came running in off the bench. Got a, it was a feel-good moment. Just like the film. <laughs> it was funny for sure. We definitely enjoyed that. And, John, uh, again, I thank you because that was a last-minute audible uh, you know, to get you on the show, and it worked out great. So uh, that's good. And Art's back, because Art was going to be here too last week, and then uh, Art was uh, also absent. Yes, I was absent. You know, so, um, but John, welcome back. So a lot of things coming up, and before we talk about uh, Hudson Valley Nice Gate, which we'll we'll have a conversation about, let's talk, we briefly mentioned it, and I'm sure the plans have really started to come together, but TEDx Goshen, John. Yeah, this is an awesome project that I'd love to just uh, have listeners tune into. Uh, if you're certainly local to the Hudson Valley, we'd love to have you. June 8th is uh, our event, TEDx Goshen. We're officially branded with the TED organization. This is our third time running this event. In 2019, uh, 2021, it was uh, obviously interrupted with some of the COVID stuff with uh, social distancing right. and that kind of thing. Did a lot of live stream work for that as well. And then in 2023 here, we're coming back. We want to make a, a truly memorable in-person event with the video is obviously available in perpetuity forever online with ted.com. But uh, we've got 11 speakers lined up for an evening that's going to blow people's minds of different topics that they're sharing. We've got a couple of current students from Goshen High School. We've got an amazing uh, alumni. We've got administrators, business owners in the community. Uh, we've got a, a graduate who is actually um, a rapper. Wow. Uh, making a career and living in Brooklyn. Uh, he's going to come up and, and talk with us. We've got a STEAM educator uh, who's done some collaborative work in our district. So some amazing speakers that are going to uh, rock your world in terms of what they have to share. And uh, we want to make it a cool event, too, where there's going to be maybe uh, there definitely is going to be a food truck outside. Nice. Uh, so sort of open it up. And it, it's actually the last day of school for our high school students, June 8th. And then we get into right. the regions prep and regions week and all that. So it's kind of a nice way to start the celebration towards the summer. Uh, but TEDxGoshen.com, um, people can find all kinds of information, check out past videos, and uh, maybe even think about donations. Uh, we really um, are all donor-based, and uh, we're amazing. It's a 501c3 nonprofit status. Um, so if anyone's interested out there in the listening world, we'll um, be happy to have some partnerships and help cross-promote people as well. But uh, these speakers that are out there are amazing. Um, they're going to really put a lot of work in between now and then. Uh, I'm, my mind is blown with with these 
students who this one guy is uh gosh i could talk about all of them but one of the guys is a section nine in new york state like championship diver who's going to talk about the lessons he learned at the edge of the platform uh in the diving arena and then he was also like the lead in the high school musical wow he's like amazing so uh these people are are going to be great and i just want to invite everybody out and um afterwards too check us out uh online on youtube um but TEDx Goshen is also, you can follow us on all the socials, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. I guess that's not all the socials. We're not quite there on the TikToks yet, but we'll uh, maybe someday. Um, but check us out there. Give us a follow and uh, see what's, what it's all about. You know, what's going to be interesting is the TEDx platform and how much it exploded. It was really on the uprising right before the pandemic, and then that kind of slowed their their curve a bit to where the enthusiasm with how many TEDx used to see I'd be interested as we, you know, think about TEDx Goshen and how do we bring part of that and incorporate that into our Hudson Valley Nice Gate Conference? Yeah, well, that's really cool uh, to think about. You're right. There's there's been a a lot actually more globally than than uh, in the United States. I think for the TEDx system, you can okay. go on their website and see sort of what events are happening to, during that month. I mean, there's all sorts of TEDx events happening in India and other places across the world, uh, but in our region, this is really the only event in the Hudson Valley. Um, really at all on their calendar, on their on their uh, map that they have on the website. So that's pretty cool. Uh, even in as far as North Jersey, there's really nothing going on in that region. Uh, maybe New York City has a couple things going on, but right. really it's it up here. So a premier event. But uh, thinking about that, the whole goal is to raise and elevate people's voices. And mm-hmm. so we have amazing people that we work with, and our event happens to be Goshen. It's just where I work and live, and we want to elevate our community. But certainly teachers, students, all across our our networks need to be elevated, you know, especially with the, some of the rhetoric that's out there. Teachers are in the news all the time and school boards and that kind of thing. So to highlight and elevate what's going on with uh, really positive things in our world yep. is uh, would be great to find ways to do that. Definitely put those positive vibes out there. So uh, great, great to hear. June 8th. And where where's the, the website? Just TEDxGoshen.com? Yep. TEDxGoshen.com, nice and easy. And uh, you can certainly find us from TED.com as well on their portal. Um, but, yeah, we'll be at uh, the Roy Reese, High Sc- uh, Roy Reese Auditorium at Goshen High School. And uh, doors open at 6, 7 p.m. start on June 8th. So, and, and like John said, it lives on in perpetuity. So if you can't get there, you'll still be able to experience it. It's not the same uh, as being in person and hearing it because we know, you know, speakers are much more powerful when you're you're face-to-face with them, but at least that way you can still get a recap and watch it. What do you think, Dan? Um, I think everyone that's listening out there should definitely go to the TEDx Goshen website. I've been looking it over lately. The, the list of speakers that you have are fantastic. What a great cross-section of the community that you have there. And, it, and looking at the topics and their backgrounds, it's really inspiring. So I, I definitely encourage everyone to take a look. Um, if you can intend, that would be great. But there is that donate link on the top. Um, and it's, it's such a great community building thing. Yeah. Kudos to you bringing that back, bringing Thank it you. in the area. Thank you. It was really cool, too. We want to partner with people. So, uh, you know, we've even got the local uh, one of the local ice cream stands says, um, you know, we want to give you some money to get you off the off the ground. But also uh, maybe with the ticket, you can drive some business towards us. And so we're going to do right. a buy one, get one free at the ice cream awesome. stand with a physical ticket in hand as their coupon. So everybody loves nice ways to partner and support each other too. And that's the best thing is the upliving positive component of it. Cause like you said, that, that is needed nowadays with so much rhetoric around in the news and, and it's just, it's needed. So, all right. TEDxGoshen.com to get all that information. Uh, Art, we got to talk Hudson Valley, nice skate. I know the details are still early, but what's, what's going on with uh, Hudson Valley, nice skate. 
Uh, details are still early, but it's coming. Uh, November 7th, 2023. Is that uh, election day? That is election day. So for those that are in the Hudson Valley region or the wherever lower, or wherever or lower New York region, wherever, however far you want to travel, um, <laughs> it is on election day. So for many of us, it is a conference day, right? which is fantastic. Uh, we will be holding the return of the Hudson Valley Nice Gate at Roy C. Ketchum High School in Wappingers Falls. Uh, we've been putting everything together slowly but surely. Um, we will be sending out... RFPs, requests for presentations, I think by the end of this uh, school year. Okay. So that we can review them and plan everything over the summer and have everybody ready. Because once we come back in September, we're going to hit that ground running pretty hard um, and get everybody ready and excited for that conference. And it's kind of like a little pre-conference to the big annual conference, which I believe is the 19th through 21st this year up in Rochester. Yeah, and they just announced the theme, but I don't remember what it is. I know Dan, you got your computer, so if you can let us know, it was it was a uh, um, a cool theme. John knows it already, of course he does. Why am I even yeah. bothered asking? I was just saying, like, I'm like uh, um, <laughs> this year's Nice Gate theme will be Mission Possible. That's what ah, I, that's yeah. what it is. There we go. So I think they might string Art by a harness and see if he can maybe catch some sweat beads <laughs> as it drips off his face, like the Mission Impossible movie. But that's that'd be it. a great opener. But it'll be great. Hey, listen, if they're gonna do that, they got to bring like James Bond in Goldeneye yeah. on an N64. And have another East Oh, that'd be great. I want, I want to see the keynote game. come in from the top. Right. <laughs> you know, just come in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about Hudson Valley Nice Gate, and um, as Art was going through the, the intro, but some of the most formative sessions that I had as a classroom teacher were from those Hudson Valley Nice Gates, you know, because really they're teacher driven primarily. They're not a lot of vendor based things. And what I was thinking now in my role as a technology integration person is thinking about how do I tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, you need to put this in, right? Who are our people in our networks to say, hey, you'd be, you'd give a great presentation, you know, apply. Yeah. Because a lot of teachers are pretty humble about it, you know, and about what they do in their classrooms. They don't really think beyond sometimes because they're just experts in their field and their place. But I think we need to look around our districts and say, who would be great to give a presentation and let's help support them. So um, think about it. I've got some names on my radar already, yeah, but I don't do want to put them on blast on the podcast. No, 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 no. Let's <laughs> yeah, not do that. And, and that's, uh, all right. I'm pulling it now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and John's got a point. I mean, the Hudson Valley Nice Gate used to be one of my favorites. That's where mm-hmm. I got my feet wet as a tech integration specialist myself doing a number of presentations. Same. It's for teachers. It's about teachers. It's a great one day event. And, you're able to take what you learned that day and implement it in the classroom the next day. And it's on a Tuesday. So you could literally walk into the classroom on Wednesday and say, hey, guys, I saw this yesterday. Let's give this a try and see how it goes. That's the key, I think. As, as we started to come up with this, it used to be on weekends in March, yes. right, which got a little crazy with science fair and everything else going on uh, You know, locally. Is Now that it's on a Tuesday, which a lot of districts will be closed or have a variation of closings or whatever due to election day and have a conference day. It's just, it's not, a, it's, it's built into a teacher schedule, so to speak, as long as the district will allow them to attend I feel like participation numbers will go through the roof just because it is part of your regular day. So I'm excited for that to see how many people actually converge, you know, at the Hudson Valley Nice. Right. Conference. And that's, and that's why we picked that day. Um, we know that it's difficult to get district release right now. Yeah. Um, we know being educators at uh, getting subs and coverages can be difficult. And we said, how can we make this e- the easiest for teachers to attend and districts to allow them to do so? And I said, why not use that at conference day? Yeah. You know, for, for the most part, there's a few here and there in our region still 
that have it as a regular school day. Most have it as a conference day. Hey, hopefully you'll get district release and say, I want to go check this out. Go, turn key it, bring it back to your staff, share it with your staff members. I think it's a great opportunity, and I'm hoping that our numbers are going to uh, reflect that. And, you know, I'm just thinking about um, my experiences with Hudson Valley NiceGate in the past, and, and John brought it up. It is really teacher-centered um, and focused around there. And what I always found most valuable was the intimacy of the event, that, you know, everyone was, was gathered together. There was authentic conversations. You would go listen to a presentation and then just sit there afterwards and talk with the presenters or see them. And then that really... Uh, let my professional learning network grow with people around the region. I remember making connections with a bunch of teachers um, in a different school district when they were presenting on a topic and really helped me grow along with that topic and sharing ideas. So it really is a great event. Um, for those of you that are in the area, really think about presenting there um, just with something that you find inspiring or you, you, you've done in your classroom because the amount of growth that you can get, just the personal satisfaction, but sharing your ideas with others and learning from that is really great. Um, just so I, I always encourage people to just share all those great things that you're doing. Great. I love that. All right. So Hudson Valley NiceGate, you'll see more information coming out on uh, obviously uh, NiceGate.org, all the socials. Uh, they will be sure uh, as the information comes out for RFPs as well as registration information and how that's all going to work out. We will be sure to share that information as we receive it. Okay, so let's talk about AI. We've talked a lot about AI last time. AI has been the conversation that has been dominating education. And obviously, the last time we spoke, it was really focused and harnessed on ChatGPT, which we're now, I think, at version 4.0 of that uh, you know, with, with the technology. I think the last time we spoke, it was so in its infancy of what people were just starting to become exposed to it. It just, I think it had just taken the, 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 the Warden School of Business exam at that point. And now we look at how much it has evolved, how much it has learned from all of us and where it's going to go. Also, last time it wasn't behind a paywall. Now there is a premium. And was it 20 bucks a month, right? I think, I think it was $20 for the Pre chat. Pretty steep for my... My, my bank account. Yeah. So, you know, for so that's one part of it. Then we talk about what has come out with um, Bing, Microsoft's version, and how, you know, I think that was the second player in the market. And now we're going to have that conversation about how theirs compares to chat uh, GPT. And now BARD is coming out. Now, BARD has not hit educational accounts yet. Uh, as uh, if you listened to last week's episode with Eric Kurtz, he said you have to have the personal Gmail and he's been testing it out and messing with it and it's in beta and it's, you know, because they shut it down quickly because there was some some bias and some inaccuracies when they had released it. And of course, that's not what Google wants to have on, uh, you know, like a scarlet letter for them. All right. So what are you, John, hearing in your circles with AI, our teacher's pro are teachers against how are they utilizing it like what are the thoughts well you know in all your circles and conversations that you're hearing yeah it's uh, it's very interesting we we have gotten ahead of it uh, for many of my colleagues and sort of said hey you know get your head out of the sand we're not we can't ignore this thing and we've 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 gone full on um, in terms of exploration um, certainly there are some concerns uh, the the level of uh, terms of service for the chat right. GPT platform right. specifically being 18 and up at this point is different from the general social media age is like 13 typically. Um, and then you've got uh, 
the other issue of privacy for students using it, sure. right? So for the New York State, looking at Ed Law 2D, a lot of states have a lot of privacy policies as well, but they're not going to sign that kind of thing No, um, as an open source platform either. So we are exploring it. We're taking a look at it. I had an English teacher, I think he was teaching ninth grade, and they were taking a look at a simple concept of writing wedding vows. And they were using chat GPT to do it in different styles. So they said, right, they put in the general wedding vows, right? You know, that you might hear in a general wedding. And they said, now rewrite them in the language of William Shakespeare. <laughs> Boom. And then it's, it's to a lot of vows and these and those kind of things. And then they said, switch it up and write it in the language of an Eminem rap. Eminem. Right? And it was hilarious. Lose yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different vibe at the wedding. <laughs> Dr. Dre. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's very interesting to, to see some of those great examples. Certainly people are using it for time-saving tools, as we've discussed before. And so that's happening. I think uh, the, in, my, in the hiccup in my uh, place of employment would be right now um, taking a look at application for the younger grades. Uh, right. So actually tomorrow morning, um, as we record this, I'll be meeting with our K2 building um, to discuss like applications for them because they're not using it with their students as much, but they haven't necessarily explored yet the full-on application of management and time-saving tools and how to write those emails that are out there that are you know time-saving and that the kind of thing. The newsletters that the K2 Realm does. Right. So there a lot of great stuff that can happen, so we just need to sort of touch base on that. And uh, so I'm encouraged by that. Um, personally, I've hopped on the... the uh, the Bard bandwagon a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I've enjoyed that. One of the things I like about the Google Bard is that they also can provide resources and you can also click on a button to say, now Google this. Yep. So you can actually help sort of search and check your, your information. And uh, actually the, the Biden White House released a statement on AI and they would hope people to open it up a little further um, in, in this discussion. They'd like sort of this open letter to get out there for companies to buy in. To be able to say, you know, yeah, there's machine learning involved in these things, but what steps did it take to get to it? What, right. Where did it come from? This, where do we get to this resolution? And would they want, they're asking people to have some more transparency on that. Sure. But as you look at that, you wonder, you know, is that really on companies' roadmaps? You know, they're looking at full scale, open, you know, push, pushing it out to the public in their business model and, you know, scaling these things, not necessarily putting controls on them. They might have three or four people on that, on that right. team and maybe a hundred on the other team for, for scaling. So right. it's interesting where priorities lie and, and what might, might come of it. Uh, I'm really concerned, I guess, moving forward about monetization, about branding, um, with advertisements, um, and that kind of thing, because it, it can be a good democratizer, but we also don't want to then suddenly, you know, be told what grocery store to shop at or what, or what, what cookies to buy or whatever be based on our interests. Um, and I'm also concerned about, you know, this, if this is a tool that can be used for great good, uh, what, are, what are the equity issues? Does, is everyone going to have access behind these the paywalls thing, and right, things yeah. as well? So a lot of concerns there. And I'll throw another one out there. Maybe we'll just pick it up as we go. Um, and I think I've mentioned it before, but generally speaking, there's not a lot of research done on this, but um, there's sort of this idea of internet imperialism of uh, who's writing the content on the mm -hmm. internet and the idea of imperialism sort of being that, you know, America Eurocentric sort of con control of dominance. I would, I would include some Asian countries as well on this for who's composing content for the internet. But if these tools are grabbing material from across the internet and aggregating it, but most of the content on the internet has been provided by the global North, if you will, right. or these imperialist countries, then are we truly getting 
real voices world perspective given back to us from underdeveloped places in the world where we know people might be consuming content on their cell phones sure but they may not be creating content and uploading stuff to the web right and so are we getting those voices are we getting that diversity that we need to and uh, one other pause for concern is um, I know there was some political bias in the chat GPT piece that we right. uh, mm-hmm. I think in one of the earlier iterations there was some stuff that would you know, not say certain things about certain political candidates positively, but it would say things about others. Now there's some questions about um, gender and those kind of questions that are out there in, in some of these platforms. And so, uh, you know, always just check yourself on that stuff right. and, uh, and make sure you're understanding that there's implicit bias in all of our platforms too. And don't lose the human touch. That's the big thing right there. Yeah. You can use utilize these platforms, whether it be BART or Bing or ChatGPT, but remember, nothing can replace the human touch yet. Yet is the key word. You know, I don't know if we'll ever get there because of those, you know, uh, inaccuracies and equity issues and, and the bias and everything you just mentioned. The human touch is still there, especially in education, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not going to replace that. So as you're utilizing this as a tool in your uh, educator toolbox, so to speak, make sure you, you know, you like you said, you vet your sources and, and you make sure that it's, it's what's best for students because that's what it really comes down to. I feel like I dropped a lot of bombs in that one, though. We went from digital imperialism to gender bias to all kinds of stuff. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, right. it, I mean, it all needs to be brought up in the conversation. Um, you know, looking at, at some things with the AI, I think, you know, when it first came out a couple months ago, everyone was, you know, just so concerned. These teachers were, were the plagiarism and so forth. I, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of that kind of winding down exactly. over the last few months. I've worked with a bunch of teachers, just had a conversation yesterday with a teacher of how they're incorporating the, the AI into their instruction and then looking at various ways of taking what's put out there by AI and working off of that as something else in the classroom, which I, it was funny you brought up the idea of Shakespeare because we're working on a, uh, um, humanities class on the renaissance and that was one of the things we were talking about is how in the ela portion of the class that they are doing romeo and juliet and then how to use chat gpt for the old english language Mm. for different things they're doing so it it was funny how that came up um one of the things that you know we we talk about all the the downsides of, of a lot of things but i think one of the big upsides is the time saving aspect for teachers mm-hmm. and and also for students when you're developing um, instructional materials for your students, and I am more apt to really look at the AI that's built into a lot of the ed tech right. um, platforms that are there. Absolutely, um, because it, it's designed for a specific purpose, and it a lot of them, like I know Conquer, will 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 give you this is where I got the information from, or or mm-hmm. working within Canva itself. Um, and then also what Google is doing, too, um, with its practice sets that have just um, yep. been launched really over the last week or so. Maybe I noticed it last week into the Google Classroom. So, you know, I, I just want to take a little time to talk about those right now, because as we're winding into the end of the year, I think teachers are looking for more formative assessments and more feedback and more things for their students to get ready for those regents exams or AP exams. So. Um, for those of you that haven't looked at it yet, Google Practice Sets is a cool thing that's utilizing somewhat of an AI sure. where you can take a PDF, upload it into it, and then just basically use like a screenshot to screenshot the different questions off of PDF, put it into a practice set, which right. is kind of like a forms, but if you tie the skills to it, and this is especially with math and science, 
It's going to look at the problem that's there, look at the skills associated, and provide hints and tutorials on how to solve the problem. So as we're going through, I hate to say test prep, but it is a big test prep season. Utilizing Google practice sets is a really cool thing. And I know Conquer just launched some new things as well where they're doing um, scaffolded questions where you can upload text and do multiple questions off of that text. So I think of all of the, those different graphs and things that you can put in there and then have students build off of that. They put in drag and drop um, type questions. So they're really developing. So looking at providing those materials for your students using the AI, I mean, it's really cool that I work with teachers that are, are using Conquer in terms of getting exit tickets, generating the data, going over to Canva, using the magic design in a presentation to create a quick presentation on a topic Um, Go there and then build practice sets off of that, really getting that workflow where the AI is generating the heavy lift and then they can go in and edit it and differentiate it and make it appropriate for their students. So this is um, something I think is pretty relevant as we move forward. And I think looking at the timing of the podcast, I want to bring up those ideas and think about thoughts on that um, for preparing students for, for for the exams that are coming up. Right. The big thing with the AI, too, is, you know, we talk about chat GPT and all of those things. But the huge thing is seeing how these ed tech companies are incorporating the AI into it, which kind of makes it more of a safe space, so to speak, for students, uh, you know, instead of just one of those open source platforms. So as teachers are starting to utilize these, they are exposing their students to the power of AI in a safe manner. And that's the key, whether it be Conquer or Canva. Let's be honest, we talked about uh, you know, uh, I think it was last week we talked about Google Docs and we called it smart chips, but right. John's like, uh, you could say AI chips, right? right. So Absolutely. all of those things, and and I really think at some point, I'm not sure when this will be, but Google Workspace, you know, is going to have Bard built within it. It's just, it's a matter of time until it gets there. And then that's going to be the platform because Google has signed these ed law agreements and these privacy things where it's then going to be really beneficial for students to utilize, you know, as needed to get that writer's block, to get that skeleton. And then teachers can use it as well and move from there. What do you think, Art? Um, the one thing I've noticed with ChatGPT a little bit lately, um, I've been using it for some clerical stuff here and there. Um, as I said, like, I think months ago, I was like, hey, if I had this when I was a student, it would be great to work on introductions. It, it's great for introductions. Right. Um, when, you're trying to get, when you're trying to get to that jumping off point, it has been fantastic. The one thing I've noticed, and, I, and you guys will probably agree with me, it really lacks an individual voice and right. personality. It's great if you need to get some like factual information in there, but it's, it lacks that personality. And, you, and if, if you know your students, you know your audience, you'll notice if, if it's there or not. Um, so that's important. So that when we're talking about in the classroom and stuff, going back and doing rewrites and doing editing and looking at what it has to offer, but going back and saying, what can I still provide this uh, piece? Sure. There, there's definitely something to say about that individual voice, that individual's personality that needs to come from that, that human touch that we were talking about. You know, two conversations I've had recently about it. And generally speaking, whatever the AI, pl- AI platform is, but one of them is that the MLA people, who knows what that stands for? Somebody <laughs> does out there, but some librarian or English teacher, the MLA citation people right. actually released a guideline for how to cite generative AI in your papers and your work. So it's interesting that gives it a little bit more credibility that someone actually right. wants to say that, hey, this has value to it um, in terms of writing and, and work that's being done. 
So I think that's interesting and compelling, but I also was speaking to someone recently who's doing a doctorate and uh, he said, you know, he went on this deep dive and asked some really great questions and was uh, really enjoying the, the path that it took him to na- analyze and unpack some data. And all along, he's asking for resources and resources. And then he tries to find these resources on Google Books or Google Scholar or wherever else in, in JSTOR and all these publications, and they don't exist sometimes, right? So he's going down this pipeline and he's like, wow, this is awesome information. Show me where to find it. And then it, it that was also created up from nowhere as well. So wow. again, just a, a word of caution on that, but um, some amazing work. Um, but I guess, t- I guess I said two things there, right? Really positive. Like, Hey, this is credible. MLA says you can cite this stuff, but then also where's it coming from? And are these citations real the is source. a question to really continue to take a look at. And I think they will get better to arts concern about the language models. If you were to continue to use it and to give it feedback, they will continue to learn and to grow. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, we all have template templates for things that we use we start with right those um even for things like college recommendations and how you start with things and so there's some really great practical ways to do that tons of blogs out there resources about practical posts for teachers uh for things to put in there i have a different concern though and not where it's going to go i actually really like dan's perspective to say let's focus on the things that are practical for us that are built into our tools but these open source chat models like bard and gpt um i think probably have a weird um future to think about that um there'll be social beasts <laughs> where it'll be your chat bot as your mm-hmm. companion mm. in a way. And uh, I think that that's already existing in some, some ways, um, not with these big companies that are out there sort of revolutionizing, revolutionizing the market. But I think that's a concern. And I think that that's actually maybe not terrible if you think about it. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm of two minds. I'm, I lean towards a positive side of AI, but thinking about the chat bots that stink already when you get customer service from someone, right. but now right. you actually might get something more meaningful and, and helpful. So that's really positive. Uh, I think about things like maybe even quick access to things like counseling services, you know, to get started with somebody, if they're in a moment of crisis, they sure. need somebody 24 hours. Like there's some really interesting, compelling things to do that'll never fully replace the human side of things. And people were so concerned about that, right? Replacing jobs. But I think we as people are really good at trying to resist that. Yeah. Um, and I think that the Luddites of the world will continue to fight back against the tech, you know, as, as we see that and continue to fight for what the authentic voice is. So I'm, I'm still encouraged by it, but uh, just some, some different thoughts there about the future of where these chat bots in particular are going maybe different. And I like Dan's perspective to say, let's look at the actual practical use for education. But the other question is the the arts, arts and media, right? Whether right. we're talking about, um, you know, I just signed on for the demo of Adobe. I think it's called Firefly, their art generator. Um, ChatGPT op- or OpenAI, the main company, has one called Dolly. That's yep. pretty compelling and interesting, too, to get images that, you know, you look like they were hand-drawn or painted or whatever. Um, they're really powerful tools. But that plus video. Um, any type of voice changing Audios, um, AI, yeah. it's going to be really crazy to think about. Um, so I tell you what, we do need the one thing we do need to buckle up for is the upcoming election cycle. Oh boy! <laughs> and I, I'll I, be at the Nice Gate Conference. We're not political- Hudson Valley, so I'm not going to worry about. <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not a political podcast, but just no. thinking about deep fakes and things like that, it's going to be a lot harder to find what you what, it? what mm-hmm. truth is in those worlds when they come out there. That's especially as people are are going to pump money behind these platforms, yeah. and uh, and hire people to do this work. And you think, I mean, when you say that, yeah, we know we have an election coming up this year, but the big one next year is right. where is it going to be for the 2024, you know, presidential election? That's 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 huge. Right. Well, there's another podcast that I listen to and some of you 
at this table may listen to as well. It's an entertainment podcast, not necessarily educational, but the company behind it has been looking at basically deep fake AI, yep. um, basically learned technologies where they could, and the reason they're using their podcast is because they're trying to go international. By providing voice samples, sound samples to this company, they're able to now translate their podcast into foreign languages outside of the U.S. that sounds identical to the person on the podcast. Problem with that is, or the caveat to it, is that you don't need the actual person there to do the translation. So there's that concern, and they constantly have conversations about it here and there, where they no longer need the live person in the podcast studio or wherever this goes, where you could literally get every little personality of the individual's voice and create a complete deep fake podcast, you know, announcement, whatever. And their concern is within the entertainment industry. You know, will right. they still be needed to do voiceovers or, you know, commercials, what, right. commercials, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the technology exists. These guys have been messing with it. Um, they've been working with the company, um, they know it works well, and it works well into a foreign language even. Um, so much so that when people were listening to it, they thought that the uh, podcaster had become fluent in another language. Um, so there is that concern out there as well. And the tech, the tech exists. You know, when does it be go mainstream? Well, I, I think it's actually encouraging as an education group here, uh, the, the four of us in this podcast, the theme, to think about what the goals are, what the reaction is, right? So we want to raise students to be critical thinkers, to take a look at, uh, to be cynics in a way, yeah. to look at content from a different lens, to ask the why, the what, the who, right? To ask some critical questions. And uh, a lot of people, you know, my background is I was a history teacher, as some of you were as well. And thinking about that with the Sea Civic Readiness and things that are mm -hmm. out there in New York State right now, these are questions that people are, are asking again and, and needing to think about. And I always used to tell my students, I taught eighth grade, I taught 11th and 12th grade as well. And I used to tell, tell my students, like, I could just be lying to you with confidence. Right. right. Unless you right. actually you check and verify. It. Right. Unless You're you check it. and verify. And I sold sure. it really good. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but the lesson is you got to check and verify. And how many of them went back and read the book or read the websites or, or asked some questions? And, you know, I wasn't, I, I hope I wasn't lying to them, but I was saying and making a point, you know, yeah. I could, you could just tell them, you could lie to them, to students and say, by the way, that'll be on the test. <laughs> right. right. And they're right. like, okay, I'll then write it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if John, if you've been catching the news on that one, it, that just happened this week where a teacher, in another state, south of New York, um, put a whole fake lesson together and presented it to students as factual information, and it hit the news all over the place because of the of the content of the of the uh, lesson and everything. But presented it as true information, and the kids were like, "Okay, they're copying it all down, taking right. it to be what it truly was, and it was not what it was." And you know, parents were all outraged and whatnot, and there were some concerns about it. But that could happen. Yeah. You have an ethical, like, threshold, though, I think, as an educator. Like, that's got to be a one-off situation. Oh, 100%. You know, like, that's just somebody who may need that chatbot mental support that John was talking about <laughs> at some point, you know, because, uh, you know, the majority of educators are going to do what's best for students. Oh, absolutely. This is, just, this is that one bizarre example that kind of right. went off the deep end. So you're yeah. saying it wasn't like a social experiment? No, because oh, that would be no. cool. But yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> listen, he probably could have he or she. I'm not sure um, who, who they were, but they could have probably gotten themselves out of trouble if they just said, "Oh no, this was a social experiment," and instead of uh, doubling down like they did. Yeah, maybe back that up and send the letter home or to the administrators first if you yeah, yeah. do that social experiment. Yeah, <laughs> CYA. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So. 
But, you know, switching gears a little bit, because we are going off the rails, I think... Hashtag off the rails. Hashtag off the rails. Um, but Hashtag never on the rails. <laughs> <laughs> what are rails? Where we're going, we don't need rails. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, I... I am um, thinking of the optimism of things, you know, looking at opportunities. And I think, and, and we kind of said this, I think when we had the last conversation, we talked about it with the AI is buckle up because things are going to change. Yep. We, we see how rapidly things are changing, how things are integrating um, into different platforms. I mean, I'm, you know, I have some of the same concerns, you know, about equity and then also right. where this information, like we're looking at information that's just been especially with chat GPT as it is now, that's still a couple of years old. And where, you know, mm-hmm. I think about right. that imperialism type information, imperial, like you're right. It is very, it, what models is it? It might be very Western centric that's in there. We're, we're losing a lot of voices. Um, I know some things I've done in the past is I know you can go into Google and change locations for mm. where you're searching. So right. I know when like I've had students researching things that are happening um, outside of the U S I have them switch their browser to, um, different areas, see what local news comes up and things like that. So I think integrating some of that thought, but that's just a little side note. I don't know why that got in here, but what I really want to talk about is with this AI, with this being able to really help teachers and students um, take care of some of the, the, the administrative tasks to provide all these different things, I think we really can see a revolution inside the classroom where things can really be more performance-based can really focus on student-centered learning, having them go through the, you know, I always think of those um, hyper-talk models, yeah. right? The five E's, you Experience, know, engage, yep. explain, explore, apply, um, really get into those different venues and use the AI that's built into these ed tech companies or ChatGPT or whatever it is out there to really allow students to have more of a voice and then really perform and build into our performance assessments more than we had the opportunity to before. Because I think it's going to become more relevant to really recognize your student voices, give them a chance to use their passion, their voices, find the tools um, in order to express their understanding in a variety of ways. So I'm optimistic with that. I'm just thinking that could we see a revolution of the way our are we going to finally see that industrial model from you know the late you know 1800s that's right. our public education system eventually get blown up sometime soon or is it just going to where teachers going to find a way to work within that system to really break away from that now we do math now we do science now we do this and, and then if you don't get it move on we're going to come back tomorrow in 24 hours and and reevaluate that can we see something happening within where students are really able we're really able to differentiate and then um, provide opportunities for all of our learners I think there's some writing on the wall there that is hopeful too. I mean, there's some conversations at the state level, at least among superintendents and filtering down through principals and stuff as well in my world is looking at revisiting the regents as a requirement for graduation. Right. You know, we're talking about maybe initiating some local exams instead of regents exams and that kind of thing. And so those are sort of the handcuffs on a lot of te- for teachers at the secondary level for a lot right. of those, a lot of those activities. But I would even say a couple of things that, that, you know, we talk about the pendulum from the pandemic, right? We went, we've done this a lot, right? But the full tech pandemic, hybrid learning or, you know, remote learning, and then come back. A lot of people went tactile, more in-person, traditional pen and paper, which is fine too, has a place. But the pendulum shift is going to continue. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking back, like pre-pandemic 2018, 2019, we were talking about things like the SAMR model yeah. right? in uh-huh. terms of replacement and redefinition or 
forget all the all the words. But then then we even look at we were doing things like flipped learning and mm-hmm. trying to do more stuff, send the lecture at home, and now we're doing things in person. And so maybe that's part of the pendulum that we have to shift back further to and, and start to see because you know you mentioned sort of that scaffolding effect, but we have to get there to understand how to break through it. And so we go even back to 1950s with you know Bloom's taxonomy, right? right. Let's think we know those things to be true as educators, right. but how do we get back there and drive that conversation? I think is really valuable. So the question I would have for you guys, I think we all agree with that, but is if if we have more time, then what are the what are what are we going to see people doing? Are teachers going to know what to do with their time? <laughs> Right? How how do we motivate them, and what tools do we want to drive them to for some some of this creation and creative outlets? Well, I, Canva. I, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we move and because I'm looking out the window at like the Amazon building that's over that here. that interesting? To yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, because we keep talking about the industrial model, and I and I just everything industrial anymore is now like Amazon because Amazon warehouses right. are popping up everywhere mm-hmm. these giant million square foot things. So I, I kind of I, I feel like we're going from the industrial model. Like I'm afraid. We're going to go to the Amazon model. Mm-hmm. And like, there's some things about Amazon that I'm a little concerned with. But with what you're saying with the extra free time, I'm hoping it's more like Amazon in this fact where it's like instant gratification. Yeah. We used to have all those questions. Kids, kids would ask, like, let's let's do a deeper dive. You know, three, three quarters of us at this table are former social studies teachers. Sometimes <laughs> the kids will say, well, what about this event? What about that right. event? Mm-hmm. We're chasing that regions. We, yeah. Once upon a time, we were chasing that eighth grade uh, social <laughs> right. studies exam. Yep. So we'd be like, hey, listen, if we have time, we'll do a deeper dive there. Maybe now we're more with this Amazon model. We can say, hey, listen, in two days or less, we can get that information to you. So we can do those deep dives within the content. So we're not just scratching the surface. Especially, I mean, most of us here are passionate former social studies teachers. There's a lot of information that we enjoy, that we know the students would enjoy, that we don't get to go over because we were chasing that exam. Maybe with that extra time. We can provide those opportunities, provide those, allow the students to dive those opportunities. For that to happen, though, that shift has to happen at the state level where they get rid mm-hmm. of regents or state testing or just not as much emphasis placed on them. Like if that's because, unfortunately, we know there's a lot of teaching to the test. There's test prep and this and that. If that if you remove that part of the equation, then you have those deep dives. You have that time to really explore and have a a lot more time for performance-based assessments and everything like that. But you, but but you it, also, you, you got to remove it, but also force a change with it. Because right, right. as we saw with the eighth grade social studies exam, that, ga- be that exam's been gone for a long time. And I haven't seen much change. Right. The, the content, unfortunately. Right. The content hasn't changed. The format hasn't changed. And the timeline for a lot of those seventh and eighth grade social studies courses are still the same. Yeah. It's right. funny how this the midway point of of U.S. history is still like the Civil War. Like, right. Well, a lot it's, of time has passed. Uh, like, we still call that the midpoint. A, that's like, you know, a <laughs> hundred years into our, and yeah. like, we've been, but, um, you know, what do you, you ask, like, what are we going to replace it with? I, you know, made me think immediately to remember, you know, that whole thing, everything I ever needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten, yeah. right? It's about being a person. It's about being part of a community. It's about learning those things. And I think like maybe some of, as we look at these time-saving things, maybe our teachers will be able to have more time um, to remember that we are teaching kids mm-hmm. and not content. You know, getting those handcuffs off, like, I have to be here, I have to be here. Um, with more time left for exploration, we can provide more opportunities that we're teaching kids in our room, a diverse group of kids, kids of different passions, with different talents, with different learning styles, and provide opportunities for more choice for them, for more engagement. 
um, bringing in a, a culture of community in the classroom and being able to spend a little more time on that, that's going to drive the learning, that's going to drive the inquiry, that's going to drive the skills that might, I mean, I don't know if we're, I mean, it might be just a pipe dream that they're going to get rid of the, the regents exams or this, sure. but I think we can then with this technology integration and this AI and these opportunities for quick formative assessments, for providing materials, for having alternative um, sources of content to evaluate, to to determine it, its efficacy that's there. Um, we might have opportunities then where we can really focus on individual students and, and, I, and small groups. I always look at it the most, and, and I don't want to stereotype everybody, but some of the most creative, student-centered, driven um, lessons in AP courses happen the second half of May. Into yeah. June. Mm -hmm. Why? The exam's over. The right. exam's over. I mean, go back to, you know, last time we spoke with John, um, creating experiences, right? Uh -huh. Maybe we can create, we, that time can be built into creating experiences for students. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's fascinating to think. I agree completely in, in where, how this should go. But I, I also wonder, like, when you sit on interviews and you talk to new upcoming teachers, right? We always talk, I, people think that incoming teachers need to, they'll, they'll be the ones to revolutionize everything. I'm like, no, they're not, yeah. because they're still working out of this archaic model, this right. historical model, right. out of their college, whatever. I mean, the worst professors that I had were the pedagogy professors who lectured to me about group work. I'm like, how about you model it, buddy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you think about interviewing for, for new teachers, like, you know, do you talk about why you're here? Are you here because you love content or you love kids, mm -hmm. right? That's the, that's, a, it's going to go back to the root of it. And that's going to be the, the necessary uh, linchpin. But in, in looking at the ways that we navigate and move forward, it's not, not only the regents and the state level, but look at our bureaucratic institutions. I always think about even things like clerical staff. If clerical staff would, would pick up maybe more of the workflow, the G Suite or the, you know, streamlining things with AI or whatever, then suddenly things get easier for everybody, mm -hmm. the whole system. So we often look at the teacher-driven revolution, right? That's what we're talking about here. All the, that's what this podcast right. tends to be about. What are we doing in our classrooms? But how can we change the whole system to make it easier for teachers? So not just the one teacher who adopted these AI tools to save right. them time, but now if the regions exams go away or not, but if the principals and secretaries are sharing things more streamlined, more more fluid, saving time, I don't have to walk to the office to simply get paper because I can down, get it on the Google form, on the right. school website, or whatever it might be. We have opportunities then to save people time across the board. Right. right now, there's too much intersection on that, and that just all needs to change. The whole system needs to think more fluidly. And there's lots of things that hold it up, including certifications for certain positions and right. what people know how to do and training opportunities and stuff. But it's a whole separate uh, Podcast episode Podcast for sure. Well, it's like one of the arguments <laughs> I constantly keep hearing is like I have some teachers that say, well, we need to focus more on Microsoft. They're like, you know, we're a Google district here. And they're like, well, they don't use Google in the real world. Like mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Workspace doesn't exist. I'm like, it doesn't exist because nobody's using it. You know, it's the same. First of all, it's the same skill set. Like same skill set. Same where, skill set. Where file what insert. you think you know. Right, right, right. I know that sounds right above my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the biggest thing is it's like, hey, listen, if we were using these things in other environments, it would improve productivity. It would improve that workflow. We're just choosing not to use it here. And then we're complaining that the kids aren't learning that skill because we refuse to change. I guess my hope for all this conversation is to try to tell teachers who are listening, like, listen, you're doing great. Yeah. Like you guys are on the ball and we're hopeful to maybe make some systems change to make it easier for you still because saving you time in, in the minute is great. And uh, we want to see that in that leadership inspiration in the classroom, but we have to see um, administrators, leaders who take this on and say, we need to model that and be better for our kids. 
Right. And, you know, I think we really need to, you know, as we look at things moving forward for teachers and, and even administrators is looking at really taking a look at instructional design and really being, you know, leaders in in instruction in, in, and looking forward. So having those real conversations now with the, the emergence of all this tech and how everything can be done is like, all right, so let's really take a deep look at what should those systems be placed in our classrooms, in our buildings? What should we be looking for? What, what are those things? And have those conversations and try and break out of so many of the different silos or bubbles that, that are happening within schools and school districts. You know, you have all these great things happening and they kind of contained in a bubble and it's very hard to break out of that bubble and then go into and spread out into the larger community that's there just because there's not those opportunities to share or willingness to take a risk. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, conversations can be had. Um, they can really push to break out those bubbles, share best practices. Going back to Hudson Valley Nicegate, we should be celebrating the successes um, that we have with our students, even if it's just uh, talking about how this activity or this thing really motivated my students. And because they were motivated, my classroom management, there was no issues at all. I've built rapport with my students. We have a level of trust here. We've been able to to have this community here and now our learning is at a different level because students are trusting in me i trust in my students and we we've developed that back and flow that back and forth flow so i think being having these conversations like we're having on the podcast talking about it thinking about it reflecting sharing our thoughts with others is really something that we should be doing and celebrating success because our teachers all of us are out there working so hard um and then looking for that mode like we listening back to the conversation with um, Dave Burgess or the conversation with, with Eric, I mean, that, uh, that John and, and Andrew, I mean, there was such excitement and passion. It made me want to go out and Those do, guys are fired up like, all the time. Fired sure. up. Like it made me want to go out and be like, all right, let's take on the yeah. world and do something new. So having that within our colleagues in the building um, or in our districts or in this community that we have with adventures in tech, let's share that positivity. Let's yeah. inspire others. That's what it really comes down to. So, and I right. don't, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know where my mind went. <laughs> hashtag I, off the rails. Hashtag <laughs> off the rails. But, no, we're uh, never on the rails. It just, you know, hearing about this, it, I, I, you know, there's always these constraints and there's always these things that are happening. But if we can just sit there at the end of the day, be like, I'm teaching kids in order to make them yeah. have the best opportunities they have. What can I do? What tech can I bring in? What just good instructional practices can I bring? You go back to like SAMR and yeah. TPAC and, you know, use like some of the best tech is no tech, right? Absolutely. Right. right? You know, getting 100%. those hands on, but you're able to then go as Art was talking about, like the Amazon of things. It makes me go back to the idea of that, you know, when we had the, the Netflix of the classroom, creating yep. the, those yep. inclusive environments, using it tech, um, to provide those opportunities. So even though you can be building your entire space um, with tech, but then being such hands-on in the classroom and having those experiences, um, it just really makes me optimistic. And I think we should go and experiment, take risks, celebrate, share. You think you could go no tech podcast next time? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the best tech is no tech. The best oh, tech is no yeah. tech. Well, I sometimes mean, it could be. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool, it. The coolest thing is because we keep talking about going off the rails we have such so many resources at our fingertips now that we can go off the rails in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like it is there. Like we Full can sense. grab it. We can run with it. Obviously if your questions are being asked in the classroom, the students have an interest. 
why not run with it? Mm-hmm. Especially, you're such a liberal arts teacher. Yeah, there are no rails. There are no rails. Soft science people. There are no rails I, there. I just want to throw out one thing, and I know we're probably looking at time here soon, but um, have people had conversations in, in our world, in our network? I mean, are, are people talking with parents about this stuff either? That's so, a great that's question. Great question. You know, I've done a lot of parent training opportunities through the years and uh, offered a lot and sure. hadn't had a lot show up or a lot of interest. A lot of interest, but not a We've lot had of action. That as well. yeah. And so uh, sometimes, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I wonder what we need to do to help support parent involvement as well. Maybe we need a parent nice gate or a parent something or other that's bigger, broader. We were pushing parent university. Yeah. Know, but, We've uh, done some stuff again. in district. Um, I, I tell you, Common Sense Media is great, too, oh, as, I a, love as that a general type. resource for everybody. If anybody's listening who's a parent needs to know everybody. something else. Right. But, um, you know, I just I just wonder, you know, what we need to do in the, in the classroom to, to incorporate that other group of stakeholders as well. Very important. Educate them. Right. What, yeah. I, what I also find um, beneficial in my own life as a parent is my kids are actually coming home and saying, Dad, what do you know about? chat gbt mm-hmm. like how does this work do you know about this so my kids are hearing it in school and they're coming to me as a parent not as and not as a parent tech you know tech director but as a parent parent as just dad. saying hey dad did you hear about this did you're you just see a hologram this? to them anyway you know <laughs> so it's like and i'm like yeah buddy like this is what i do and, that, and that's one of the problems i have like in all my conversations with any of my three kids it's like you know this is what i do for a living right because they're asking me these questions like innocently because they're hearing about they're it in learning, school, right. they're learning about it, and they're coming to me as parent going, hey, parent, have you heard about this? And I'm going, hi, parent, also educator, also administrator, this is what I've been doing. For right. Just remember, Art, these years. are the good old days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great opportunity for you to have right now. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. So at least there's there are conversations being had. And I'm assuming if my kids are having them, other kids are having them with their parents as well. And hopefully they're reaching out. Hopefully they're jumping on Google yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. and, and trying to learn about this themselves. But we can always help. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to wrap up episode 47. Uh, and I want to say uh, again, John, thank you. Yes, as always. Thank you, John. It's a blast. I do think that we will uh, have another conversation on this, 3.0, uh, come, come early fall, prior to the Hudson Valley Nice Gate. Because uh, we'll see how much it has evolved with the ed tech companies and overall through the next, you know, six months or whatever, and see how, you know, the AI has really changed the landscape, so to speak, for, for all of us in, in any way. So we'll see how that goes and uh, and go from there. Any other th- final thoughts, Dan? Um, just to, to all the teachers that are out there listening, uh, I know we kind of just started talking, and, and I just want to go back right? You guys are working so hard to provide the best opportunities for your students. Um, and we're looking at some of these things here to make you be, make that job easier for you. Um, sharing your, your successes so other people can then support you as you go look for, for future successes. Being right. open, asking questions, getting, getting colleagues out there. I thought John was talking about like Hudson Valley Nicegate and how that really helped him as he really started. It really helped me as I really started. Right. So talking about it, getting ideas, working with other people, opening up your classroom, classroom door, inviting tech integrators in there to experiment, or how can I use these tools? Because then that will help you build the confidence and get back to what you really want to do is make better opportunities for all of your students. So that's my final thought. Final thought. Got it. Art, anything else? Mark your calendars, folks. Hudson Valley Nice Gate <laughs> returning November 7th. Art, how do they find you on the socials? Oh, my socials, A Shout 10. So it's A S C H O U T 10 on Twitter. Got it. 
John, final thoughts. Final thought, just like uh, we started off kicking off TEDx, has, is their, yep. their brand line is ideas worth sharing. I think teachers have lots of ideas worth sharing, and let's they get do. out of our silos and share out mm-hmm. with each other, guys. That's a big deal. Um, don't be hesitant and share out and be confident in what you are. You guys are experts and keep rocking it. And they Find can- me on the follow on the socials at J-O-N-R-E-D-E-K-E-R on Twitter. For now, we'll see. For now. Oh, we may have a shift in <laughs> may change the handle, huh? Twitter's gotten weird. Fair point. point. (laughs) That is a different episode, all right? But you know what? That would be a great episode when we talk about how you expand your your PLN. So Mm -hmm. uh, there you go. That's that's uh, that's one of the episodes coming up. So maybe we'll have John before September, (laughs) right? Now that he just gave me that idea as that came out. So once again, thank you for reaching out and, and listening on all the platforms. Tech Hard, Work Smart, Live and Adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR. <laughs>